I have a word for you from the Lord today. And I just want to quiet our hearts. And the word from the Lord today comes to us from the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 18. Sorry, Daniel, I didn't give you this one because the Lord just gave it to me during worship. I'm not changing the sermon, though. Don't worry. I believe this is a prophetic word for the body of Christ today. And I say that with fear and trembling. This is the word of the Lord to the body of Christ. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will restore. He says, I will bring back the ca captivity of Jacob's tents and have mercy on his dwelling places. The Lord says, I will bring back the captivity of Jacob's tents and have mercy on his dwelling places. Father, today, speak to us by the power of your word and spirit. Restore the tents of Jacob and have mercy on his dwelling places. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 35, verse 16. We're going to read from verses 16 through verse 19. Genesis 35, 16 to 19. This is what it says. Then they journeyed from Bethel. And when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth. And she had hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Do not fear. You will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Ben-Yamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. I was meditating this morning on a couple of passages of Scripture last night and this morning. This morning I was meditating on Psalm 24, verses 3 through 5. And the psalmist asks a question. He says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? And then he answers his question. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn by what is false. He shall receive blessing from God and righteousness from the God of Jacob. Yeah. And then he says, This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek your face. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek your, your face. Yeah. I believe what God is speaking to us today is that He is raising up that Jacob generation. Yeah, 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 yeah. The generation of those wow. yes. who seek His face. Yeah. Mm. Now in this passage of Scripture that we just read here in Genesis 35, uh, it's very powerful and it's different from the previous three rebrand sermons that we've looked at over the last three weeks. Mm. Because in 
the first, second, and third installment, God was the one who did the rebranding. Mm, yeah. But in this installment, the rebrand is not done by God, but it's done by two figures, Jacob and Rachel. In this story, Jacob and Rachel do as God would do. They had God as their example, and they are doing as God has done. But we see two different branding moments in this passage of Scripture. The one is the brand of Jacob. Yeah. And the second is the brand of Rachel. Rachel yeah. And the word of the Lord to us today, God is inviting us to be Jacob. Yeah. God is inviting us to be Jacob. And the cry of the Spirit of God at this hour is that once more, the church, specifically in the United States of America, yeah. that the churches would become the tents of Jacob. Yeah. But the cry of the Spirit of God and the lament of the Spirit of God is that we have become the tents of Rachel. Wow. We must make a decision today yeah. to be yeah. Jacob. Yeah. Now in this passage of Scripture, uh, we just finished last week talking about early in chapter 35 where, mm. where Jacob has his whole rebrand experience, yeah. where he puts everything he has on one side of the river and he is alone with God on the other side of the river and he wrestles with God all night long and in the morning God renames him yeah. and then breaks his hip. Yeah. And now he has gone forth from that experience with a new name. He takes his flocks and herds and his servants and, 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 uh, fl- and his, his family, his wives and his children, and they meet Esau, his brother, and it's a wonderful greeting. Yeah. There's no killing. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, like it's, it's not, the, the, the crisis is averted. He yeah. got what he asked for. Yeah. And he not only got what he asked for, not only did his brother welcome him and greet him with joy, not only did he walk away with his life, but he walked away with a new name. Yeah. But now they're on the way, they've left Esau, and they're on the way to a city called Ephrath, yeah. which is also called Bethlehem. Mm. Isn't that significant that as we're approaching the Christmas season, we are approaching this story of a journey towards Bethlehem. Now there's a sense in which all of us are on a journey towards Bethlehem. That is, all of us in one way, shape, or another, we are on our way to Jesus. On our way to the place where we kneel at His feet, where we offer Him our gold, frankincense, and myrrh, where we proclaim Him the King of kings and Lord of lords. I know we've been there, but we're still on our way there. You see, Jacob had been there before, but now he's going there again. But now, on the way to Bethlehem, something is wrong. On the way to Bethlehem, there's a problem. On the way to Bethlehem, something goes wrong. How many of us have experienced in our lives that something goes wrong on the way to Bethlehem? On the way to Jesus? On the way to seeking His face? How many of you had seasons in your life where you sought Him like never before, but on the way, in the process of seeking Him, some tragedy hit your life? Something went wrong. Something terrible fell apart. What happens on the way to Bethlehem is that Rachel goes into premature labor. And I could just see Rachel crying out, not yet. Come on, baby, not yet. Come on, we're almost there, not yet. Come on, don't do this to me right now. This is the worst time to be doing this to me. And not only does she go into labor at the wrong time, but it's a deeply complicated labor. There's all kinds of complications, which means there's all kinds of pain. And I mean... I can't imagine what it was like for mothers to give birth to children back then. Yeah. There's no anesthetic. Yeah. There's, there's no epidural. There's, no, there's nothing. Yeah, there's, yeah. I, 
and she's giving birth on the side of the road with incredible complications in this pregnancy, probably over many, many hours yeah. and maybe even days. Yeah. And whatever the complications are, they're so severe that it becomes apparent at some point to Rachel that she's not going to survive this. And so what does she do? The midwife is rejoicing. The midwife says, I know you've gone through a very difficult season. I know that this process has been extraordinarily painful for yeah. you, but I'm going to invite you to look on the bright side. You've got a son. Yeah. I want you to just in the midst of your pain, rejoice for a minute because it's fruitful. I want you to rejoice because the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is being revealed in you. I know, Rachel, that all you can see is your pain right now, but I'm inviting you to open your eyes to see that glory is coming out of your pain, yeah. that you've got a son. Yeah. But Rachel, in the agony of her own soul, is so overwhelmed with sorrow that she cannot see anything but her pain. You see, pain has this blinding effect on us. Yeah. In the, in the agony of your soul, you can come to a place where all you see is the agony of your soul. Yeah. You can't see the glory that's coming through it. You can't see what God is working in you through it. You can't see what God is bringing out of it. All you can see is that you're experiencing pain. And secondly, when you're experiencing pain, you have an uncanny ability to identify with absolute clarity mm -hmm. the cause of your pain. Mm -hmm. It's you. Mm -hmm. It's you. And most of the time we're wrong. Yeah. I, I think it's important for us to stop right there and say that whenever you're tempted to say, it's you, mm. whoever that you is, it's not them. <laughs> not entirely. Yeah. You know you're not walking in the spirit when that it's you spirit comes on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the flesh. Mm. It's you. Mm. How many times have I heard husbands speak that of their wives? Mm -hmm. You know what my problem is? You. Mercy. <laughs> How many times have I heard wives speak that of my husband, of their husbands? You know what my problem is? It's you. My life was so good until you came along. I had so much joy until you. The problem is you. You don't know what I'm talking about? You haven't been on Facebook lately? It's you, Democrats. You Marxist, socialist, liberals. It's you, Republicans. You fascist, Trump-supporting racists. It's you. You Christians. It's you. You unchristians. You baby killers. It's you. You know what's wrong with our country? It's you. If there's an it's you in your heart towards anyone, you are in the flesh. So deep in the flesh that all you see is your own pain. All you see is yeah, your own discomfort. Yeah. All you see is how some other group yeah. that you've now given yourself permission to vilify in your own mind and yeah. in your own heart, yeah. it's them. Yeah. Yeah. This is Rachel's heart in her last moment of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's you, was the only thought that she could think. And there comes a moment in which she realizes that she's only got one breath left. And I'm going to use that breath to do something. I'm going to use that breath to speak something, but what am I going to use that breath? What would be the most important thing I could do with my last breath? You know what I'll do? I'm going to give my son a name. Now, I must say that naming your child is one of the most important tasks that you can do as a parent. And parents, the majority of parents, do not take this task lightly. A lot of prayer, research, thought, conversations go into the task of naming your child. Why? Because if you are a good parent, you know that the name that you give your child is going to be something they are going to have to live with for the rest of their lives, or at least until they're old enough to go downtown and get it legally changed. (laughs) And it never ceases to amaze me to read about some of the crazy names that people give their children. I read an article that said in 2017, there were something like 20 parents who named, 21 parents who named their, their daughters Tesla. There were 12 that named their daughters Fanta. You name your child after an orange soda. <laughs> you know what I mean? There were, there were six that named their sons Beowulf. This will blow your mind. 21 that named their sons I Am. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that's blasphemous, right? Isn't that crazy? It's blasphemous. Um, I mean, there were some crazy, crazy names, and I could go on and on with it. The list, oh, my, one of my favorites was Maybelline. There were 20 girls named, maybe it's Maybelline. I mean, can you imagine what, they, what those girls experience every time they go into the classroom? Hey, maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> Who is it at the door? Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? Um, yeah, so not all parents take it as seriously as they should. I read an article about a, a guy named Robert Lane in Pennsylvania who had two sons. He named the first winner, and he named the second one loser. So the first son was named Winner Lane. The second one was named Loser Lane. And it was an experiment. He wanted to do an experiment on his own kids to see how their names would play out in their lives. This is a true story. You can look this up. And Winner Lane became a criminal. And loser name became a cop. (laughs) Right? Isn't that crazy? Right? I mean, it it backfired. Why? Because both of them spent their whole lives trying to overcome the stigma of their names. Jacob understood what it was like to spend your whole life trying to overcome the stigma of your name. Why? Because when he's born, what do they name him? Jacob, which is not a good name. It's a good name to us today. Jacob redeemed that name. But the etymology of that name, what it actually means, is swindler or hustler. One who grabs the heel. Literally, the guy who's always jockeying for position, reaching out to take something that's not his own. All because he reached up and grabbed the heel of his brother on the way out of the womb. And so they named him that. At his birth. This is who you're going to be. And he spent his life trying to overcome the stigma of that name. So what Rachel does with her last breath is she names her son 
using only the limited information that she has. Yeah. And the limited information that she has is number one, he has caused me great pain. Yeah. And number two, he has cost me my life. It is very dangerous to give someone a name based on limited information. Yeah. I'll tell you what I mean. If you think of the people whom you are very close to, whom you love deeply and know that they love you deeply, it's really hard to give them a negative brand, isn't it? Even if they disagree with you deeply. For instance, I have a very close friend who's a Trump supporter. And um, politically, we are worlds apart. And, uh, but here's the beautiful thing. We sit down and we talk openly about our views, but we never, he never calls me a baby killer. I never call him a racist. Like we just talk openly about what we think, about where we stand, about what we perceive, and our understandings of the political climate in our country. We talk about the spiritual dimensions of it, the biblical and theological dimensions of it, and it's a very warm and loving conversation. But because I know him and because he knows me, there's no way that we can negatively brand one another. But what do you do on Facebook? You don't have any information except somebody's post. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's enough for you to think you know them. Enough to brand them in your own mind. Yeah. And the brand is simple. If, if I hear you tell a lie, that's it. He's a liar. Mm-hmm. I've just branded you in, your own, in my own mind. Wow. I've branded you thinking that I know you. Wow. I don't have enough information. Yeah, 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 yeah. All I know is what you did. I don't know who you are. We have to learn how to separate what you did from who you are. You've got to learn how to do it for yourself and you have to learn to do it for others. It doesn't mean you have to agree. You can say in your mind and heart, I don't agree with that statement without saying that person is a fill in the blank. We must refrain from giving negative brands. Because what Rachel does is she brands her son based on limited information yeah. with zero empathy. Yeah. No empathy concerning how this name would affect him for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah. No empathy concerning how he would feel to grow up hearing everybody refer to him as the son of Rachel Sorrow. And this is the crazy thing about it. What Rachel does not anticipate is that the fact that she's giving him a name she feels in that moment that the transaction is just between me and my son. She doesn't realize what she's actually doing is trying to bring the entire community into covenant with her to become an ally of her pain and remind this young man of the pain he caused his mother for the rest of his life. She's literally trying to bind the community to her own pain in regards to this young man. I want all of you for the rest of his life to tell him to his face when you see him, you are the son of your mother's pain. You are the son of your mother's sorrow. You don't realize that when you negatively brand someone, you're actually seeking allies. And especially when you speak that negative brand to people around you, what you're actually doing is trying to build a covenant with people to negatively brand 
another individual. And, it, and the sad thing is it's somebody you don't even know. That's true. You saw him on TV. You saw him on Twitter. You saw him on Facebook. Jesus. You don't even know him. Yeah. We've become the church of Rachel. Wow. All across America, we've become the tents of Rachel and not the tents of Jacob. As her soul was departing, she used her last breath to curse the source of her pain. Mm. When you begin cursing the source of your pain, it's a sure sign that your soul is departing. Mm. You're dying a spiritual death. Wow. You can only do that when you're dying a spiritual death. Mm. But... His father, the scripture says. Mm. As her soul was departing, this is verse 18, she named him Ben-Oni, Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow. But his father. The last piece that Rachel was completely disconnected from was the fact that he had a father who loved him. Wow. See, this is the scandal of the gospel. Those people that you think are idiots or fascists or socialists or Marxists or false prophets or this or that, those people that we've branded negatively in our own minds, they have a father who loves them. Wow, yes. This is the scandal of the gospel that yeah. even that Jesus loves even Donald Trump. Yes. That Jesus loves even Joe Biden. Yes. And whichever one of those hits you wrong, that's the one that you have to embrace in your heart. That's the one that you have to come to grips with. That even Donald Trump has a father who loves him. That even Joe Biden has a father who loves yes, him. Yes. We lose sight of that. Not only did Rachel have no empathy for her son in that moment, but she had no empathy for his father. And this is what breaks God's wow, heart wow, so much in wow, this day and in yes. this time. We are without empathy for the Father. That what does the Father feel when He looks down upon our country yes. and He sees that brothers and sisters are fighting one another and cross vilify? See, it's 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 sad. It's sad enough that we can't get on the same page. Yeah. It's sad enough that we can't see eye to eye. It's sad enough that we can't understand what's actually happening in the realms of social justice and racism and all of these things that are happening. It's sad enough that we can't see it as one, yeah. that we can't be of the same mind yeah. as Paul commanded. That's sad enough. But what's even worse than our inability to agree is that we have used our disagreement to cross vilify one another and cross demonize one another and create enemies yeah. of individuals who should be brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've disagreed with my brothers and sister on many occasions, yeah. but I've never made them my enemy. Yeah. And here's the problem, isn't it? That lack of empathy. Yeah. My wife and I this week have been talking a lot about the fallen pastors that we're seeing in the body of Christ, and they're everywhere. It's like it's exploding and stuff's coming out about pastors that you never would have thought. Yeah. It's 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 heartbreaking. Yeah. Pastors are losing their ministries. It's heartbreaking. And it's disappointing. It's deeply disappointing. But in the midst of my disappointment and the brokenness of my heart when I think of them, there's compassion. 
And there's compassion because where my heart goes is, but by the grace of God, could have been me. I'm not immune. Yeah. It's the grace of God that's kept me this far. I mean, if who knows? I mean, God only knows. If I would have become a superstar pastor at 25 years old with a worldwide following, yeah. with a multi-million dollar bank account, who knows what levels of greed and entitlement would have settled into my heart? Who knows? I could have done anything. It's the grace of God that's kept me. Yeah. So when I read Galatians 6, it just makes perfect sense to me in regard to these fallen pastors. Yeah. If any one of you is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, fearing lest you also be tempted. Yeah. So if I were to sit down with Carl Lentz, I would talk to him with compassion. Firmly, but with compassion. If he were in denial, I would try to lovingly bring him into the truth. Yeah. I might d disagree with him vehemently. If he were unrepentant, I'm not saying he is, but if he were, my heart would break for him. Yeah. But ultimately, at the end of the day, my heart would be to restore him. Yeah. But that level of compassion, I don't always have it towards people who are on the other side of the political spectrum as me. Yeah. I don't always have it for people who are on the other spectrum, on the other side of the social justice spectrum as me. Yeah. And I realized, the Spirit of God re caused me to realize this week, yeah. that that's pride yeah. in me. Yeah. Because I look at one level of fallenness and say, that could have been me. But I look at this other one and go, I would never be so stupid. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I can look at fallen pastors and say, they still got a father who loves them. Mm. Regardless of the damage, the immeasurable damage that they've done. Mm -hmm. yeah. But if I were to look at, say, a real racist, and they do exist. <laughs> They're there. It's a scandal to me to realize that yeah. even that racist has a father who loves them. Yeah. And yeah. that in some way, shape, or form, but by the grace of God, even that could have been me. Yeah. Yeah. But his father. Yeah. Yeah. But his father. But his father refused to agree with the covenant that his wife sought to make. And I want you to understand this. Jacob and Rachel were deeply in love. Mm. Jacob had two wives and two concubines, but he only loved one of them. Yeah. Rachel was the one he loved. Yeah. He loved her so much he was willing to work for her father Laban for seven years in order to obtain her hand in marriage. And it said he loved her so much that those seven years felt like only a few days to him. Yeah, yeah. She was the one he loved. Mm -hmm. She didn't care that she wasn't having kids the way her sister and the other concubines were having kids. He didn't care. She cared, but he did not care. Yeah, yeah. He just loved her. Mm -hmm. He loved her for who she was. 
And secondly, he empathized deeply with her. He saw the pain that she was experiencing in childbirth. He saw how difficult it was for her. You better believe that that he was crying through the the whole ordeal. And especially when he realized that it was going to cost the wife that he loved Mm -hmm. her life Mm -hmm. to bring this child into the world. Mm -hmm. But yet, even though he loved her so intimately and deeply, he refused to participate in her curse. We must learn the skill, the discipline of refusing to participate in the curse, even of the ones that we love so deeply. we got to learn how to say, I love you, but I'm not participating in that curse. I love you, but I'm not going to curse that person with you. I love you, but I'm not going to go bitter with you. I love you, but I'm going to separate myself from you and your bitterness. While simultaneously keeping my heart connected to you in love. Amen. There should be a whole sermon just on that. But his father. And the way it plays out in this passage, it happens so quick. Rachel says with her last verse, Benoni, son of my sorrow, and then she dies. And Jacob says, Benjamin, son of my right hand. Immediately. He does not let that curse linger over the life of his son for a moment, which means that immediately at the moment of birth, Jacob looked at his newborn son and said, I refuse to know you according to the pain that you've caused. Yeah. Yeah. I refuse to remember the pain that you've caused. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to know you according to your destiny and not according to your past. Wow. I'm going to be like God in your life. Wow. I'm going to remember your sins no more. I'm going to remember your trespasses no more. Mm-hmm. I will not steward the memory of your sin. Wow. Because I have no right to steward the memory of that which God has forgotten. Wow. Instead, I'm going to steward the knowledge of your destiny. Can you look into the eyes of someone who has hurt you and see in them a destiny that is of God? How quickly can you forget the pain that they've caused you? Benjamin, son of my right hand. And the right hand has two levels of significance. First, the right hand is the place of favor. Son of my favor. I'm covenanting with the entire community that when you see this young man, you're going to remind him every time you see him, you're the son of your father's favor. You're not going to call him the son of his mother's pain. You're going to call him the son of his father's favor. You're a favored son of your father. And number two, power. The right hand is not only the place of favor, but it's also the place of power. You're the son of your father's power, meaning that whatever power you see in your father, it's in you because you're the son of his power. You've got his favor and you've got his power and that is your identity. That is who you are. Yeah. (laughs) Amen. God says, I'm restoring, I'm bringing back the captivity of the tents of Jacob. We've lost the tents of Jacob in America and we've become the tents of Rachel. We have become the church of Rachel, but God is calling us to become the church of Jacob. This is Jacob. 
the generation of those who seek your face. This is Jacob. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Who has clean hands? If we're speaking the curses of Rachel, our hands are full of blood and a pure heart. If we're speaking the curses of Rachel, our hearts are filthy and bitter. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol? Do you not realize that the curses of Rachel are idolatrous in their very nature? Nor has sworn by what is false. Do you realize that when you give someone a name that is antithetical to the name that their father is giving them, you are swearing by what is false. We do not realize that when we speak the curse, we participate in a demonic lie and it is idolatrous. And the church has given way to the tents of Rachel, but God has called us to return once again to the tents of Jacob. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek his face. And God is calling us today to be Jacob. To renounce the curse of Rachel mm. and to embrace the blessing of Jacob. Amen. Amen. Rachel dies mm. on the way to Bethlehem, mm. cursing the source of her pain. Mm. But the one born in Bethlehem dies on Calvary. Wow. Blessing the source of his pain. Wow. Father, forgive them. The very ones who drove nails wow. in my hands and feet. Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. The tents of Jacob. The church of Jacob. That is the church of Jesus, conformed not to the image of Rachel, but to the image of Jesus, that we would be able to speak even from our crosses and say, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Bow your heads and let's pray. Precious heaven. Thank you today that you are restoring the tents of Jacob. You are bringing back the captivity of the tents of Jacob. You are doing that in the body of Christ. And I know when we look around, we see Rachel everywhere. The church of Rachel is all over Facebook. The church of Rachel is all over Instagram, all over Twitter. The church of Rachel. Cursing, cursing the cause of her pain, calling out this and calling out that. And sometimes what the church of Rachel says is not as bad as the heart with which she says it. But Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would restore the tents of Jacob. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? God, that there would be a cry in the body of Christ. I want to be among those who ascend the hill of the Lord. I want to be in that company that ascends the hill of the Lord. I need clean hands and a pure heart, a soul that has not been lifted up to an idol, and a mouth that has not sworn by what is false. So God, guard my hands and protect me from bloodshed. Guard my heart and protect me from defilement. Guard my mouth and protect me from speaking slanderous words. 
purify my hands so that we might once more ascend the hill of the Lord and stand in His holy place, so that we might once more ascend the hill of the Lord. And God, we agree with the Spirit of God. You said, I will bring back the captivity of the tents of Jacob, and I will show mercy to his dwelling places. Restore, restore. Make us once more like the one born in Bethlehem who dies speaking blessing over the cause of his pain. Father, forgive them. Right now, right where you are, I just want you to speak that. If this message spoke to you and you sense any bitterness in your heart, any Rachel in you, if even in your heart, even if you have not manifested it with your words, but in your heart you've cursed the cause of your pain, I want you right now just to renounce it, to renounce it out loud. Say, Father, forgive me for speaking this curse over this person or these people or this group. Forgive me and wash me of it. Cleanse my heart. Take away my bitterness. Take away my bitterness and my anger and my, my pain. And give me a clean, a clean heart. Give me clean hands. That I might ascend the hill of the Lord. That I might stand in His holy place. I just want you to take a few moments right now and just begin to seek the face of God. Come on, I want you to pray out loud. Staff, pray out loud right now. Father, let the Holy Spirit just move amongst your people right now. Holy Spirit, go into every home. Go into every home right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God. Lord, free us, God. Bring back the captivity of Jacob's tents, God. Make us the tents of Jacob one more. Do it right now, God. Break every heart, God. Break every heart. Holy Spirit, take no prisoners today, God. Take no prisoners today, God. Go let the convicting work of the Holy Spirit come upon every soul, O oh God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That we would not have any malice or bitterness. That we would put away malice and bitterness of any kind. That as newborn babes, we would crave pure spiritual milk so that by it we might grow up into our salvation. Holy Spirit, come right now. Come right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, do it. Do it. Listen, if this message spoke to you today, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me right now. Simple prayer. We're going to pray a prayer, and in that prayer, we're simply going to ask God to forgive us for the bitterness and the malice of our hearts. Forgive us for any way in which we have spoken with the voice of Rachel. And then we're going to ask God to give us the voice of Jacob. That it would be said of us, this is Jacob. This is Jacob. These are the tents of Jacob. The tents that Balaam could not speak a curse over. Yeah. The tents of Jacob. These are the tents of Jacob. That each one of our houses, that if you visit my house, you visit one of the tents of Jacob. That if I visit your house, I visit one of the tents of Jacob. That it would be said, Man, whenever I go to any of their houses, whenever I talk to any of them, I don't hear any bitterness or malice or anger. Instead, I hear love. Doesn't mean you have to agree. Doesn't mean you have to think any differently than you already think. Doesn't mean you have to come to any conclusions other than the conclusions you've already come to. It simply means that you have to put away malice. You have to put away bitterness of every kind. As newborn babes, you have to crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 5, where he said, Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you 
and persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his reign to come upon the evil and the just. And then he says, for if you only love those who love you, what does it profit you? If you only bless those who bless you, don't even the pagans do that? And he says, therefore, you be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Listen, our vision as a house is to be sons, to be sons of the Father, sons and daughters. But I want to draw your attention to this one point, that there's two Greek terms in the New Testament that speak of our being sons and daughters of God. The first is technia, which means children. It speaks of us in our immaturity. We're walking with Christ, we're just immature. And the second is huios, which means sons. And it speaks of our maturity. God's not calling us to remain technia, children. He's calling us to become sons. What Jesus says here is, little children, the technia, they love those who love them, and they hate those who hate them. They bless those who bless them, and they curse those who curse them. But the sons, the mature sons and daughters, they love those who love them, and they love those who hate them. They bless those who bless them, and they bless those who curse them. Listen, if you still require reciprocity, you're still a child. Wow. Wow, yeah. But if you can listen without needing to be listened to, if you can bless even when you're being cursed, if you can love even in the place where you're hated, now you've come into a mature place of sonship. And that's where God's calling us to be. So let's just pray this prayer. Matter of fact, I think all of us need to pray it, so let's just all pray it together. Just repeat after me. Say, Father, Father, I come to you, you, and I open my ears ears to hear your word. Your Your Holy Spirit Spirit has touched my heart today. today. I ask you you to remove from me me the voice of Rachel. The heart of Rachel. The heart of Rachel. The mind of Rachel. The mind of Rachel. The will of Rachel. The will of Rachel. And restore to me. And restore to me. The voice of Jacob. The voice of Jacob. The heart of Jacob. The heart of Jacob. The mind of Jacob. The mind of Jacob. And the will of Jacob. And the will of Jacob. Put a guard over my mouth. Put a guard over my mouth. Put a guard over my mind. Put a guard over my mind. And put a guard over my heart. And put a guard over my heart. And forgive me. And forgive me. For every moment. For every moment. In which I've spoken with the voice of Rachel. For which I've spoken the voice of Rachel. Wash my hands. Wash my hands. And wash my heart. And wash my heart. And wash my mouth. And wash my mouth. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. 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 Now listen, if you're with us today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that prayer was a great introduction to Him. For some of you, that might have been the first prayer you've prayed in which you've repented of your sins and asked Jesus to come into your heart. I want you to know that that's enough. That's enough to start your walk with God. And if that's you, if you could just drop it in the chat and just say, that's me. That's me. I just want this to be the beginning of my walk with Jesus Christ. Just drop it in the chat and say, that's me. 
And also a link is being dropped in the chat right now that says, I prayed the prayer. If you prayed the prayer and that was your first time, or maybe you prayed the prayer as a rededication prayer because you walked away from Christ some time ago, just click that link, I prayed the prayer, and let us know so that we can follow up with you and walk with you as you walk with Christ. Listen, we love each and every one of you. We speak blessing over each and every one of you. May you prosper even as your souls prosper. And may uh, the love of Jesus Christ be with you. We love you. Have a great day.